Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. My name is Bree, and I am joined by friend of the podcast, author Janine Englert is back. And today we're chatting about her newest Harlequin, Mills and Boone Historical. Guys, I loved it so much. A Laird Without a Pass, which is book one in her new Secrets of Clan Cameron series. Janine, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me. I love being here each and every time. I'm so happy to chat with you again. It's like, I just love catching up with you. So um, it, we're, it's the summer. It's the, like middle of Jan- July as we're recording this. Tell me like your summer aesthetic. Like what have you been loving this summer? Have you been taking care of yourself this summer? Like give me all the summer details for you. So our summer has been jam-packed. So I'm exhausted, but like a beautifully exhausted way, if that makes sense. Uh, We moved like the last day of school, post-planning. We came and picked up our keys for our new house. Congratulations. (laughs) So it was really exciting. So we ended up, and I wouldn't recommend this for everyone, um, but we ended up moving out of our old house into this new house and selling our old house all within like 15 days. So it was a little intense, but like I said, great to have it all done. So we're getting all settled in. Um, Love our new place. It's got lots of light. Very, you know, and we did the whole like purge all the stuff you don't need. So that was a very sort of good thing for me to do. That was very healing. Good for me. Um, And now I just got a book turned in. The next one in this series, I just turned in two days ago, so I got that done. So I just feel like I've been very productive, kind of exhausted, but in a great way. Um, you know, moving, turning in books, it's its a lot. But it was great. Like, I have yeah. no complaints. I would do it again. Um, so in a weird way, I've, I guess I've taken care of myself by just accomplishing a lot um, this summer, but I guess just my best aesthetic for the summer is just change, you know, just embracing the chaos a little bit. And I love that you kind of, you got the big stuff out of the way, like really at the beginning of summer. So you can kind of enjoy the summer in this new space. Yes. So like we only have two weeks until we start pre-planning and I know that you're going to feel that soon. New teacher. Yay. I'm very nervous. for you. (laughs) It's okay. That's okay. I still get nervous. And this is going to be the start of year 25 for me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I, I can't wait to say year 25 for me, (laughs) but I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for year one. We'll start there. (laughs) You're going to love it. I'm excited for you. I remember year one. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. I'm just so excited. How do you feel? Okay, a layered without a past is out. Royce and I was calling her Iona. Is that how you were calling it? Or were you calling her Iona? I go with Iona, but I'm also a believer in, you know, pronounce it the way you feel it. So Okay, okay. I was like, is it Iona? Okay, so Royce and Iona, their romance is out. How tell me how you felt writing their book. Let's start there. It was very cathartic for me. Uh and very Ooh, like I probably wrote the last 40,000 words for this book in a three, maybe four week period. Oh my gosh. Okay. Because it wasn't coming together for me. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it just all came together. I'm one of those writers that needs to have, as they say, the bread in the oven a really long time. 
for me to figure out what I want to do with it. And I need to spend a long time with my characters. So I actually had kind of a breakthrough. I did a, and I think you know this about me. I love um, Paula Chaffee, who does like the tarot card readings. Yes. To ask guiding questions about your book. And she helped me because I was just log jammed. <laughs> I think I just couldn't figure out the characters. And I did a session with her. And then all of a sudden, talking with her just sort of like released the floodgates. And I could figure out what I wanted to do with those characters. I had more of an idea of how they needed to work through their character development. So I'm very excited that it came together. And I love the book. And I'm excited that some people seem to really like it so far, which, you know, gives me great joy. Yeah. I, when you when you were here last time, you you shared that like you were... I think you were writing it and like you had told us the tarot story. So I don't, I can't remember if you were like in the middle of writing it or if you've just finished it. But I like, think I just finished. <laughs> when I was reading it, like hearing you remind me of that, I'm like, what part of this book was she struggling with? Cause it just <laughs> all like flowed together so flawlessly. Like I could see so much of what, like it, of like what you love in it. Like you gave us a little bit of that mystery that we know that you love. Like there was, there was something about it that felt, which uh, this sounds so weird to say, but like there was something about it that felt a little dark. And I, I think it's because of Iona, her character a little bit, which I love her. And like, she doesn't mean, it's not like a, you just played with so many things and I don't even know if you intentionally did it, but I was like, oh my gosh, Janine, this, this feels a little dark and I love it. But then, I mean, also we have a hero that can't see. <laughs> so it well, just, you know, I'm like, what was she struggling with? All the things. And I think the, it finally came together for me when I decided I needed to put in the prologue, which is very dark. Yes. Right? Yes. Horrible things happen, but I, felt like I couldn't give him a starting point. I couldn't give Royce a starting point until I'd literally taken everything away from him because he is all about power and control and protection. And for him to not be able to control any of those things and not really protect anyone, that's what I needed to do. So for once, you know, I had to actually add in a new section. I usually get the first scene first. And this one, I had to go back and add in the prologue. At what point did you realize that you needed to write the prologue? Pretty late in the game. Okay, because the prologue is fantastic. And I, I am, I mean, I have always like loved the pro, like loved prologues. But I think when I read this book, I was like, now I'm starting to really realize the importance of having one, if need be, I guess. And like, I felt I understood why you needed a prologue with this book. So I think that's why I was partially stuck because I didn't have the prologue. So again, I hadn't like really shown you who Royce was and taken everything from him, which is kind of what needed to happen for the book to get started. As bad as that sounds, but so you in your author's note, you um, you talk. Well, I think it was like the author note or the yeah, like you talked about Lismore, right? Which is like a real place. So yes. tell I us about it. it. I you know. It was one of those things that I didn't even really intend on writing a book set in Lismore until I was writing uh, Conveniently Wed to the Laird. And that's where Catriona comes from, right? Mm -hmm. She comes Mm -hmm. from Lismore. And once I started digging into her story, oh 
my gosh, I just fell in love with this tiny little island. It's, you know, off the coast of Oban, Scotland. You know, it's sort of nestled in Loch Lenny, tiny little island. And once I started digging through all of the things online that I could find, I happened to come across that they were trying to basically figure out how they were going to preserve and save some of their national treasures that they have on that island because the Church of Scotland is basically no longer able to financially care for all of the amazing places they have in Scotland. Um, So yeah, I just sort of fell in love and they've got a little parish they're trying to save there. Um, And when I looked it up and the reverend, his get this, his surname is Cameron. Oh my gosh. I was like, what's happening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's fate. <laughs> it was weird. It all just kind of came together. And then I just felt like I had to have a book there. And then Iona came to me. She came to me first. Like I, yeah. I didn't really know what was going to happen, but I saw her first. Um, the scene where she's kind of coming in from the lock. And everybody thinks she's the witch, you know, she's the witch. Yeah. Yes. So she was who I saw first, Um, but I knew I had to have a book there after I spent a little time digging and playing online. How did the, so you went back and you write the prologue. Did you know when you went back to write it, did it come to you like all the details of it, like what happened to Royce or like, I'm assuming you're in the middle of writing Royce and like, you know, something has happened to him where he's lost his sight. He's lost his memory. Did you know the details in the prologue or was that something you had to sit with? Yes and no. I knew I wanted him to be lost at sea. I, this is not going to surprise you. I didn't know the ending of that book when I started the book. Um, I didn't even know the end of this series when I finished that first book. Like I just, I didn't have it yet. So I knew some of it, but as with all things, as I write more and spend more time with them, then I figure it out. And then I have to go back and layer in and, you know, I never write in order. So my chapters are kind of all over the place. But the more that you do that. Yeah, the more that you do that, like the more you continue writing, like, are you just leaning into it? Because I hope you're just leaning into it and having fun with the not knowing. Or is it something that bothers you? Well, it bothers me when I, because I did it again this time. Like my partner, Tanya, was like, I'm trying to save you from yourself. But I just, so <laughs> she tries so hard. She tries to be encouraging. You know, it's like four weeks before this book's due. And she's like, so how's it going? I was like, well... I'm at 27,000, you know, for this last book I had to turn in and I'm supposed to be at 70. So again, I left like 40,000 words for, you know, a three, four week period plus editing, just not ideal, (laughs) but I just, I've accepted the fact that I must embrace the chaos because when I try to force it too early, I end up scrapping all those chapters anyway. So I force it. It just is horrible. And I throw it out anyway. So I'm trying to get better at embracing the chaos of my process. Yes, I'm trying. It's hard, but I'm trying. So for anyone who hasn't read it yet, because we've talked a little bit about it already. And I'm like, tell us about the book. How would you summarize it to someone who hasn't read it yet? Well, it's and I didn't really intend it to be this way. But you know, it's got the amnesia romance, right? It's got a little bit of a flipped uh, Beauty and the Beast a little bit. You know, with yes. Iona being more I was hoping you would say that. I was hoping you'd say that. 
And then it's also got a little bit of um, ugly duckling in there, you know, where she kind of realizes she is a swan and she's awesome, but it takes a while to get there. Um, So those are some of the tropes that are kind of woven into it. But overall, it's just the story of Royce Cameron, who's going to Lismore because he's desperate to figure out why his sister was even there. And he's really struggling with his role and what happened to her. He blames himself for part of it. So it's really important to him to figure out what happened and why. So he goes there secretly trying to figure out answers. He ends up getting ambushed and attacked at sea, left for dead. Iona just happens to be taking her nightly swim in the lock and then happens upon him on the shore, rescues him. She originally thinks he's dead, you know, takes him in, heals him. You know, he figures out that he's blind. He can't really remember who he is except for being ambushed. So it's all about them trying to figure out who he is. And there are people searching for Mm -hmm. him. So, and they don't know why. So that's where sort of the mystery element comes in. Talk about the, a big important part of the, of this book, it, it does, it's connected with the previous series. So Falling for yes. Stewart. Why, why did you want to connect the, the series like this in, this in that way? Okay, well, as you probably have figured out, I cannot let go of my characters. So, you know, the series They're was coming. <laughs> I know, I can't let go of them. So when I, the Camerons came to me and conveniently wed to the lair, and I was like, oh, well, maybe I could just bridge it into another series that we don't really have to let go of anyone. Um, so that was originally my motive for doing that is I just cannot let go of my characters. I don't like to leave them. Um, so I just wanted to spend more time with them. And since she had that newfound relationship, I'll say that so I don't ruin anything or not too much. Um, it kind of led to another three book series with the Camerons and having their stories explained. Well, you said that Iona just, I mean, she came to you, which I can totally see her being like this strong presence. That's like, Hey, Janine, I'm here. I need you to write my book. How did, how did you develop Royce? Cause he, I mean, everything that happens to him and his whole, his goal, his motivations, the conflict, every all of that is so strong too. I can't imagine him like not having been such a strong presence, like knocking on your door, like your writer's desk, like, hey, Janine, this is me. So how did you develop him? He was through a lot of trial and error, but I tried to dig a lot into why he was just kind of so difficult, you know, mm-hmm. in uh, conveniently went in the lair and he was very hard and rough and just kind of raw. And I was like, I got to figure out why he's like that. So once I started peeling some of those back and help trying to figure out, you know, what it is he's so desperate to control um, and why that kind of helped me develop him. And it's really just like I left a year between the end of conveniently wed to the Laird and then the beginning of a Laird without a past so that he would have that whole time to kind of marinate in guilt and not being able to find answers for what happened to her and why and blaming himself so that that would kind of propel him forward. And I think that that his whole goal of wanting to find out what happened to her tells us a lot about him because they could have just been happy that she was home and he could have just left it at that. 
But yeah, that guilt just like ate at him so much that finally it was just like, you know, to hell with it. I have to go out there and figure it out. Right. And he, you know, that sense of control and duty that is like just, you know, his almost his marrow that makes him up. Um, And then his fear, like his greatest fear is just not being able to protect. So he blames himself for what happened to her. And all he can think is, my gosh, like, what if it happens again? I got to figure out why that happened so it won't happen again. Like he cannot Mm -hmm. move forward. He just is stuck. To me, I think the biggest um, theme that I, that just stuck with me was this was a bit, a book, a lot about trust. And here we have Royce who has been like living with this guilt and he's determined to find answers. But then you put him in situations and he loses his sight and he (laughs) loses his memory and he has to like trust and depend on this stranger. Um, So talk about all of that. Like, I feel like you really put Royce through it. I know I made his life worse and worse. Yes. Um, But he, I guess for him, since he's so focused on control and, you know, trust, you can't really trust other people if you don't trust your own judgment. Mm-hmm. So I, I think for him, stripping all of that away really made him, it forced him to trust himself enough to open up to other people. Kind of the same for Iona. You know, she also didn't really trust herself or anyone else, which yeah. is why she kind of was always bent on she kind of like she feared rejection but she also feared connection so it was just all trust and fear based between the two of them so they kind of mirrored each other in that way which was interesting it was not intended but that's just how the book came out as I kept going yeah we have to talk Iona because there's just so much that I loved about her I loved that in the time that she is living I mean a lot of people would have just considered her a witch. I mean, but <laughs> she's a healer and everything is like very natural and, and all of that. But she does, she like kind of moves around in the darkness. Like when she's delivering um, these like tunics and things to people, she does it at night. They call it, she loves to swim and she's usually like swimming obviously at night. And she has this the whole nickname of like the sea witch and, I just love, I loved her so much. And I love that you kind of played with like, you could have totally went there as far as that. But also like we know during that time that she lived in, like that would have been her life potentially, you know? So can you like, why did you want to do all of that for her? Like where did the healing part come from and how you kind of towed the line with like, Uh, this is what you know I think she even acknowledges it like some people consider her this or could have considered her this but what she did was help people so and she kind of stayed to herself she didn't bother anybody so talk about writing her I really loved her in so many ways um but she was very complicated because like I said she just she wants to help people but she also wants to do it in a very safe sort of at a distance way where she doesn't make herself vulnerable um And she's so just sort of crushed by, you know, what happened to her parents, by the scarring that she has, that she just feels this sort of sense of never being enough and cannot really find a way to view herself as maybe possibly being enough for someone else or the community. So she's always 
literally on the outskirts. She lives outside of town. She, you know, like you said, she only moves around really at night. She kind of hides in her cottage during the day and cares for her animals and makes her um, tinctures and all the powders that kind of like she can make for the community so that she can have enough money to support herself. Um, But she's always on the outskirts kind of peering in. You know, she's even when she travels at night, she kind of watches what's happening in the other houses and kind of wishes for those things, but is never daring enough to put herself out there to get them. Yeah. And that's why I felt like you kind of like played with it and towed the line. Cause even when, um, when they're starting to look for Royce <clears throat> and he's like, let's just let him know I'm here. It's fine basically. And she's like, no, because if anything goes wrong, it'll fall back on the fact that you're here. And I was like, Oh, I'm just thinking of all of my witch trial studies. Like he would have been the scapegoat for anything that went wrong on that, in that, that tiny little community. And I'm like, Janine, this is so great. <laughs> I think that's where the darkness kind of came from for me. Yeah. I mean, she, in a way, it's sort of like she was so, it's almost like she bought into whatever they were saying about her to the point where she couldn't even distinguish what was really true versus what was said about her. Kind of an interesting meshing. The healer, the healer part, like, um, did you do like any Was there any research into that or, I mean, did you just know on your heart, like, this is her job and we're just going to go with it? Well, I mean, I tried to think of what was a way where she could be caring for others and maybe have a unique skill that would be needed, um, but that was something that she wouldn't have had to have had necessarily a education to be able to really do because she wouldn't have had the background for that or the means for that. So by making her kind of the almost inheriting information, like a um, sort of like almost ancient healers did, where the information was passed down from generation to generation, yeah. I kind of wanted, wanted her to have that role. And then you can spend a very inordinate amount of time on the internet looking up flowers and herbs and what they're used for and what you can find where. So I did enjoy falling into that rabbit hole quite a bit. It was fun. I was thinking, I was like, Iona is giving me total like herbalist vibes, which is so yes. cool. So, <laughs> yes. So I wanted her to be a healer, but within like the confines that would have been possible for her mm-hmm. um, based on her, you know, social status and where she was living and the time period. And I figured that would be something that she would be able to acquire is that information on how to heal others. Um with the local herbs, flowers, whatever there was around, um, which she did. So now that you've done it, what have you learned from your experience of writing the amnesia trope? I will tell you that I'm kind of a fan. I was really scared to write it because, you know, I know it can really go wrong, (laughs) but I do really like the amnesia trope. I don't know if I'm ever going to do it again. Like I can't really think of how I might do it again, but I really do like it. It was, I, like that I kind of pushed myself into an area of mild discomfort um, to write it. Uh, But yeah, it worked out better than it was kind of, you know, because I do love sort of those amnesia tropes in books and movies, like while you were sleeping. Love that one. I mean, you took his memory and his sight, though, Janine. I know. (laughs) 
well, you know, Royce can't, he just couldn't have anything. I just felt like I couldn't give him anything. You had to give be, like strip him bare bones. You did. Yeah. He just had to lose everything so that he could kind of almost be built back up, you know, and be the man that, that I thought he could be. Did you have a favorite scene or moment in the book? Like when his brother shows up and he doesn't, of course, recognize him at first, but then all of a sudden these memories start coming back and he, he says something later. He's like, uh, thank you for coming for me, brother. And he's like, I'll always come for you. And I was like, I lost it. There went the waterworks. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> well, did you have a favorite moment writing? Oh, you know, some of my favorite moments were actually with Jack. I loved Jack. I was going to say thank you for giving Iona Jack. <laughs> yeah, because so maybe, you know, early on, I think one of the scenes that I loved writing the most was where he was just, you know, Royce is discouraged. He can't see. He's just mad and angry. And he doesn't, you know, he's actually angry at Iona for saving him. You know, the yeah. part where he's like, I don't even know if I wanted to be saved. Like, yes, he didn't yeah. ask me if I wanted to be saved, because what kind of a life is this that I'm living? Cause I can't see, I don't remember who I am. So he's just so angry and he kind of stumbles down to the shore and Jack, the dog runs up to him and kind of leans into him. And Iona is looking at them and she's praying that, you know, he's just, she's just thinking in her mind, please just like hug the dog, touch the dog. Just so I know there's something in you that wants to live. And then he kind of has that, he reaches over and just kind of pulls the dog into like a little hug. And she is just like a rush of relief. So that scene, I really loved writing personally. I loved Jack so much. I, my, I, growing up, my grandfather raised, uh, he raised and ran hounds in Missouri. And so I was like, oh, I can just hear Jack. I can hear him running and barking. <laughs> just love that. There's such a wonderful breed of dog. And yeah, just everything about Iona was like someone who, like, I feel like every move she made, whether it was Jack or like the townspeople, whatever, like she just had such a nurturing heart like she was somebody that was just put here to like care for other people and other beings and I just even in those moments it's like she's taking care of you from afar she wants to see if you're okay by her standing back and watching you interact with this pup or not it was so good oh glad you liked it (laughs) so you said you um you turned in the next book can you tell us anything about the next book I can tell you a little bit and then we're going to play a game. I'm going to turn the tables on you because I think it might be fun. Okay. Um, So it, well, whose book do you think is next? Um, Oh my gosh. I hope it's the sisters because she lost her love. Like she, she tells him like, uh, is is her name? Am I tripping? Is it Susanna? What's the sister's name? It is Susanna. Susanna. I'm impressed. Um, I, I think it has something to do with their dad. Like, and she lost the, the, it sounded the gentleman ended up passing away. So I'm like, I'm hoping like when she was talking, I was like, okay, Janine, the next book needs to be hers. But I feel like that's like an end of series book. Like you're going to make us wait for hers. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to make you wait. It is it's Susanna's yeah. book. That's okay. Next. <laughs> um, it's so interesting because, you know, Tanya, my critique partner was like, 
well, Rolf's book is next, right? I was like, no. That's what I was thinking is you were going to say. Like, no, it's Rolf's. And she was just like, what? <laughs> she was not pleased um, with the order. But it is Susanna's book that's next. And then I have brought back a secondary character from one of the other books I've written for Harlequin to be her hero. So who do you think it might be? It's a fun mm-hmm. game. I'm going to have a little trivia online later. I don't know. And you know what? You told us last time that we talked that you were going to bring someone back. I'm like, who do I want with Susanna? That's the thing. <laughs> well, she's she's very, uh, you know, kind of a fiery, very strong-willed. Yeah. Uh, and she's been, she's, you know, a lost love is a big deal. And see, Royce was partly responsible for that too. So <laughs> some to make. Yeah. Okay. When does it come out? When do we get Suzanne's okay. book? So, well, it comes out in March of next year. And since this is probably going to, I imagine, post after I reveal who the hero is, I can tell you. Um, but I brought back Rowan from the first book that I published with Harlequin Historical, um, The Highlander's Secret Son. He is the disgraced Laird um, in that book who actually has to step down from his role as Laird because he's so grief-stricken by losing his wife and son that he cannot properly rule. Okay, I can see that with Susanna. Oh, that's going to be an emotional book. (laughs) (laughs) It was a wee bit emotional, not going to lie. But yeah, there's a lot of just, you know, and he's a character um, that I have had with me since 2013. Like he was one of the first characters I ever wrote in a historical romance. And he's just never... I actually had him paired with another heroine, which is why I think that book was never successful. Um, oh, so you tried to write it and it didn't work. Yeah, I wrote a whole book with him matched with a different heroine um, before it was a book before that I wrote before the Highlander Secrets on because there's like most writers, I have a few books that are under the bed. hiding under the bed forever. <laughs> um but he was in he was paired with I think the wrong heroine, which is why I think that book just never took off. And when I was writing um, Conveniently Wed to the Laird, I was like, wait a minute. Maybe I just, maybe Susanna should be with him. Maybe that was where that was just wrong. I didn't have the right energy level match between the hero and heroine. So we'll see what you think. Because they are just, ooh, all fire and ice. That is I was about to ask, mm-hmm. how do you know, like as the writer, how do you get that vibe that like these just, these two people, people really would not be together. Well, like I said, it took me 10 years to figure out I had him matched with, with the, the wrong person. person. So evidently not quickly. Wow. <laughs> I um, never really considered that, that like maybe your characters sometimes just don't actually match because you hear so much work like you hear I hear so many of you guys as authors talk about like getting to know the characters and like all of their conflict and all of that I've never heard someone say they had the experience of like no these two people just actually aren't a match that is like (laughs) mind-blowing I mean even and regardless I think of how long it it took you you know like he never left your zeitgeist he always wanted you to write his book but so you figured it out but I've never heard that before and I think that's so 
smart of like, no, they just, they weren't a match. And I figured it out. It took me a long time to figure it out, but yeah, they were not a match. And then when I started writing, um, the first scene of that book where they're in a forge together. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is who you were supposed to be with the whole time. Why did I not see it sooner? Because they just are just sparks. You know, they just like sarcastic with each other, very sharp wit, back and forth, really strong power dynamic shift all the time. Um, so I think she just needed someone stronger and then he needed someone stronger and Finally, I figured out was each other. So are you working on Rolf's book now or is it done too? I love your optimism that I have finished (laughs) the third one. Um, Love that about you. Um, But no, I've started Rolf's book um, and he is going to be, it's going to be interesting because he's such a, like of the three of them, he is a much softer character um, as far as like those Cameron siblings. So it's going to be interesting for me to try to kind of find him because I have an idea of who his match is, but I'm not 100% sure on it, to be honest. Oh my gosh, I just feel like Rolf's heroine is going to be like, I imagine like, um, I imagine Merida from the movie Brave or something, (laughs) like some wild child. (laughs) Well, you're, you know, what's funny is you're not far off. The, the sort of heroine that I have for him right now is... She is a warrior that he originally doesn't realize that um, she's a female because she's sort of disguised herself to be. Oh a my man. god, I love that! Um, I love it. So that's what I have so far. She's kind of hiding from me at the moment, so I'm like, stop it! Um, so. I love it. We need her to peek out from between the pages. So yeah, I have her name. Her name is Kenna, K-E-N-N-A. Okay. Um, and Rolf, but yeah, she's sort of she's being a little bit. I mean, she's in disguise in your in your your mind as a character, so it makes total yes. sense that she's hiding from you as well. I so I'm just so like, much. all right, all right, Kenna. So we'll we'll see if she will eventually just stop the nonsense and let me figure her out. Um, but yeah, that's book three. So. I have to ask one more thing. Like, I loved the reverse or gender swapped Beauty and the Beast. Were you aware of that at? all or was that something that you realized after you were like I really did that no I I had that in mind when I first sort of pitched the book to my editor I Mm -hmm. wanted her I wanted it to be a a swapped Beauty and the Beast she had to dial me in though because I was I had her too dark at the beginning Mm -hmm. okay she you know was a little too dark and edgy and she was like, we well, gotta soften her a little bit so we can see who she is. Cause she was too had too many edges, was a little too hidden, a little too um That's your mystery lover coming out. <laughs> but she always has to dial me back because Shout out to editors, always, that's what they're there for. <laughs> you know. Thank you, Charlotte. Uh yeah, I just always take that just a little bit. Oh, I forgot bit Charlotte is an editor for historical. Hi, Charlotte. We love I know she's Charlotte amazing. Here. she's so patient she's so kind with me um especially in her revision letters she's always very encouraging and then she'll be like so we might need to you know kind of get me to either dial something back or bring something more to the forefront so yeah when you have that um fairy tale or that you know in mind does that make it a little bit easier or does it feel like it makes it a little more challenging in a way 
for me, it makes it a, both a little bit easier. And I feel like I have kind of an idea in mind of what I want to pursue, but then harder because I don't want it to be too in your face. Um, so it's always trying to make sure it's not, I don't know, just too much where people are like, oh, I see what she's doing. <laughs> no, I think I think you did it perfectly. The only The only reason I picked up on it is because at one point she mentions her scar and I'm like, okay, and it's on her face. Got it. Like she, this is something she's insecure about. All all of us girls have it. But then she's looking at Royce and she talks about how beautiful he is. And I was like, oh, Janine, this is a swapped beauty and the beast. And then it just kind of, you know, moves on from there. And I was like, I have to ask her if this was a thing. Am I just crazy? No, no, not crazy. It was a thing. Yeah. I wanted him to just sort of be like the, what what I think she calls him a treasure amongst men at some point, Um, where she just perceives him as this sort of amazing, beautiful Celtic creature that is just washed ashore um, for her. And then contrast that with him not being able to see her disfigurement, which is what she is most sort of appalled by mm-hmm. and how she perceives herself, even though, you know, he believes she is beautiful and always has. So yeah. I was kind of trying to play with that. Oh, and then he falls in love with her because, you know, through not being able to see her, <laughs> but it's just perfect. So thank you for this wonderful book. We cannot wait for Susanna's book. I'm so excited. I'm so happy she's next. Thank you for making me not wait. And I'm sorry, Tanya, <laughs> you have to wait for Rolf's book. <laughs> It was just so funny. I didn't expect her reaction. So she when she, when she was like, wait, what? Like, oh, <laughs> um, have you been reading anything good this summer on your break? Or have you been just way too busy with all the live stuff? I have been reading. I have a, not that this will shock you. I think we've talked about this before. I never read one book at a time. So I have a stack of books that I'm all in the middle of. Me too. Um, I'm like, what kind of, what? person am I turning into? I have always been this way, so I can claim nothing else. But um, I've been reading a couple of school books. So you might actually like these, um, like NeuroTeach, uh, Design for Belonging. Those are on my summer sort of professional reading list for school. Um, those have been really good. I'm also reading the new Harbor St. George book. It's really good. Um that one, the Duchess, it's going to come to me. The Duchess takes a husband. That one's very mm-hmm. good. Um, and also a little bit of a self-help. I'm reading uh, Renee Rose has a book called Right to Riches. And it's all about how to clear your own personal core wounds so that you're not blocking yourself from success. Just oh, totally I love right that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing those. Yeah, I've been, I've been I read... Um... Teach Like a Pirate by Dave Burgess. I thought oh. I listened to it on audio and he's just so full of energy. It was such a fun read. Um, I read Culturally Responsive, Culturally Responsive <gasps> Teaching. Teaching. Read that yes, one. Yep. That one was great. And then I just read, oh, I'm reading Donalyn Miller. So I'm reading her book Whisperer now, but I read the one that came after that first. Um, but it's all about just, you know, encouraging loves of reading and and all it's it's so good they're both really really good so tell everybody where they can keep up with you online I'll have links to where everybody can get copies of the book but where can we be keeping up with you so I am it's really easy it's 
all Janine Writes. So my website is www.janinewrites.com. My Facebook is at Janine Writes. My Instagram is at Janine Writes. My Twitter is at Janine Writes. So easy peasy, kind of all in one place. Um, And then, yeah, I really appreciate you having me here today. It was so much fun, as always. 